702. The upside of failure. Proof that a setback can lead to a step forward. Welcome in the building, Shannon Ezra. <laughs> How you. are you doing? I'm feeling a little nervous, to be honest with you. <laughs> you have no idea how excited I am. I have been like... You know, for our Upside of Failure feature, it's always difficult to book actors because you never know your schedules yeah. in time. We don't know them either. Yes, no one knows where, your schedule. Where, where am I? What is my name? Yes, and then, um, but, but, but somehow, even though I know this and we'll always have our like wish list of actors that we want to get on, I always believe... It happens at the time it's meant uh, to happen. The, the, the universe is very exacting on timing. I'm a big right? fan of totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had it happened prior... Um, we wouldn't be able to have a shared river experience. I know, I'm so right? happy about. No, it was fantastic. <laughs> I love this. But even before then, I wanted to share my very first memory of your work. Oh, dear. Which was your character. I mean, I probably have earlier memories, but a standout was me screaming at the TV when your character wouldn't listen. That like, girl, you were in a cult. You were <laughs> in. <laughs> Oh, girl, focus, oh, focus, shame, shame, peace, man, shame. <laughs> focus, girl. What is You You're not seeing what's going oh, on. Oh, so great. I remember when we were because you know we were shooting back at the SABC back. Yes, in the day. and this is for Issy Dingo. For Issy Dingo, and um, you know it was a really, it was a very meaty uh, three month uh, job, and you know it was my first job out of varsity, and I would be in Melville with friends. You were so young. People were yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> what were they saying? Get out of the cult. What are you doing? I'm like, hey, oh, oh, yes. I don't write the show. I just say the lines. I absolutely love it. But I laughed my head off because, oh, my gosh, it's so weird. I'm having this moment of, like, I found out when I was going to do Isidingo because by then we knew it was closing down yeah. and my character was going to die for me, which was perfect. But then I was like, we started having a conversation around Actors that have come back more than once as different mm. characters were like Shannon Ezra did. I'm like, she did, didn't she? How did they get character. away with it? I, How? I, you know, I, I mean, it was so random because I, I lived in Los Angeles for six years, and I returned back to South Africa, and I was, I was really a broken human. I mean, I was so broken. <laughs> LA sounds breaking. You know, yes, it was, it was, but in the best way. I mean, I think that you know, it was like a breakthrough yes. stuff for me personally, um, in many, many regards. But it was so interesting because I'd gotten back on the 4th of September and my agent, and I, I was with my parents in KZN for a bit of a time, and then I, I, I shot up to Joburg to kind of go, come and see my, my friends and my family here. And uh, my agent was like, come into the office. I've, I've had an interesting request. And I was like, well, I'm such a failure. I'm never going to work again. I'm, I've lost all my talents. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And... Um, and I sat down and Wesley looked at me, my agent at the time, and he said, so we've had an interesting request for you to be on Issy Dingo. When last were you on the show? So I was like, uh, 10 years yeah. ago. I said, are they bringing Yvette back? Like, what? He said, no, it's for a new character. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I think enough time's passed. I've grown yes. up enough. I said, yeah, so when do I have to audition? And he said, no, no, you're not auditioning. It's been it offered just, to you. Yeah. And I was like, what's that now? Because it doesn't uh, happen often. I mean, and after like six years of like <laughs> eating dirt, I was like, oh my God, I don't believe it. I like went into complete imposter syndrome. And then four weeks later, I was, I was, I was filming with them. And then there was like, I don't know, I think two years mm. with Angelique Scott. 
So isn't it weird how me, man. how many people have this belief that you get called all the time for roles because there are many some some of the gigs that people think I got called for because like you seem like such a natural fit. Mm. You, I may have had to audition for and then others for me the funniest ones is not the ones oh I got called haha or oh I auditioned a million times more than you think yeah. the ones where the writer says we want someone like yeah, why don't you just phone and me then you're in the queue with the although people. I must say that is a, that is a, it's a lovely compliment but at yes. the same time it's like why don't you have the real thing and then you're there auditioning with other people who are auditioning to be like I must say it's only it, it has only happened twice to me and it, it happened with Angelique and then it happened with Sandra Stein Sandra Isn't. was Sandra was written for me so I mean like I'm eternally grateful to Shauna Ferguson. Yes. Like, I mean, you know. But I mean, you guys had a relationship from long ago. So that is together. so that is where that's where it blossomed because we we were lovers on Essie Dingo. He played yes. Tyson and then they had this oh, love affair. Yeah. I forgot about mm. And we had a wonderful connection and a wonderful um um Yeah, I, we spent a lot of time together. Mm. Um you know, running lines, talking about family and passion, and and uh, I don't know, like there was just a serious connect, and then and then I was fired from Missy Dingo. A whole bunch of us were fired, um, and I don't know. I think there was like almost two years where I did not work at all. Uh, uh, actually, it was, it was it was not fun. And uh, I yes. got this call from Sean the one day, and he said, "So Shan, he said, remember I told you that I'm gonna I'm gonna write you something. I want you to play a baddie." And I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Well, she's not quite a baddie, but there's a lawyer on the Queen, and we only reference the lawyer as Stain, mm. and he's male." He says, "And I've developed his daughter for you, and she's she's a mix between Alicia Florrick and and Olivia wow. Pope." Would you be interested? And I was like, would I be interested? I said, yeah, when do I start? Like, let's do I this. I mean, I'll just stick with my beans. But it's I had, okay. No, but I mean, I, and I, you know, often when I bump into Connie, I, 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 I can't help but say to her, like, do you think Shauna knew that Sandra would be so loved by the fan base? Because, you know, I mean, she just is the gift that keeps on giving, right? you know? So I'm, I'm just eternally grateful to I wonder, so Sandra and Shauna and, 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 and all the producers who have asked yeah. her to come and, and be on the various shows because it's been very exciting to be with a character so long on all these different... And it doesn't happen often. It's very, the, the cross-platforming thing. It's very, very rare. I mean, she's been, on, she's been on five different shows. What's, wait, no, no, no. I, why did I count four? What's the... Count she was the on show? The Throne as well. Yes. The Throne. The, the River. Queen, the River, Legacy and Gomorrah. Oh, uh, my goodness, that is a. I have like spent a... so many hours in courtrooms. <laughs> I, it is unreal. And and you you should probably meet our EWN reporter Khomuzo Mudise, who spends hours and hours in courtrooms because so she... uncomfortable. In there. <laughs> they really need to sort out those benches. <laughs> They're so <laughs> uncomfortable. All those chairs from like 1935. <laughs> Terrible. Please tell me about when you were younger. Um, you know, were you a kid who always knew that you're drawn to being artistic and creative? Oh, no, I was impossible. 
As in, place. as in, that's the only place that that you could be bearable is now in. Okay, this direct. You couldn't this. even find me inside. I was outside being a monkey in a tree. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I had like an identity crisis. I did not, but I, I was obsessed with the film Tarzan, Lord of Greystoke, and and oh. I love and I'm a big lover of animals. So um, I and I, I'm very, I'm quite a good mimic. If I spend time with something, I, I can, I'll get up. I'm obsessive about things, right? Yes. And so I would really only speak monkey. I think I drove my mother absolutely up the wall from age six. And for birthday presents, I would only want skipping ropes so that I could tie them to the branches of my tree so I could swing from my vines. Um, I, my, 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 the world of my Imaginarium was, was very rich. Mm. And if I wasn't there, then I was drawing or painting or singing and dancing. So I was always incredibly active, but it was... Uh, I mean, I think my father longed deeply for me to go into medicine because I, I do, I love biology, but I, I hate to study. And it's ironic because we spend our lives place. learning lines. <laughs> right. And that is the biggest fear of like losing lines, you know, the, yeah. the anxiety I can vomit. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was always, I mean, from the age of four, there was definitely, it was, it was there. Um, and it really, I think I really shocked my parents when I finished my first film and I came home because I was applying to a Rhodes University and I was going to go and, and I was applying to Wits and wherever. And I was applying to do OT and physio and because uh, my maths marks, while I did pass in higher grade, <laughs> they would not have been good enough to get If you were me. in Angie's time, though, you might have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, and then I finished this film and I just said, that's it. This is what I want to do. Wow. And... Um, was met with some unhappiness a lot of unhappiness but my drama teacher in high school she she would just um give me tea and tissues as i cried in the staff room and we worked through it and would you say at that time an, an idea had already formulated in your mind about what failure is because if you knew that your parents have a certain dream for you but your body and your being is is feeling like something else did you did you have formulated in your mind that like, yo, if I actually want to pursue or even just do things that are not matching with what they want for me, I'm a disappointment in their eyes. So, you know, my parents, my parents, um, probably in the law, I mean, you know, because I, I like I said, I'm, I'm obsessed about things and I get, I'm very passionate and I'm very committed. So I think once my father and my mother saw the absolute determination in my eyes and, and the speech was basically, if I don't do it, I will die. <laughs> like there's no like half measure here. Yes, my dad was I'm like, come on, in. doll, you got to have a backup, my doll. And I'm like, I don't want a backup. I don't want a backup. This is what I need to do. It's like breathing. If I don't do it, I'll die. It's very dramatic, but that was, <laughs> that was how it was. Um, you know, the failures and the setbacks – like I said earlier, like the universe is very exacting and we have to fail. We have to fail in order to learn, in order to carve out who we are. Um, I didn't, I still, there still is no backup. I mean, yes, I, I do have certain things in place. I have my own production company. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm very interested in producing and developing stories. I've got two shows that we're, 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 we're working on very intensely. One is very much pitch ready and we're going to market soon. The other is still in early stages. Um, you know, the, my, and, and, and my, my, my partner is, he's also an actor. Mm. You know, we, you know, as actors, we, there's not a lot of power in being an actor. And by power, I mean being in control of your own life. Mm. So what was very important to me was to have a sense of longevity and security. 
and look, it's still early days. I mean, our company's been up and running for the last three years. Yeah. Um, we've been developing the show, this one show. I, I mean, I started developing in 2015 and mm. I did it on my own for a few years and then I wanted to rip out my eyeballs. So I, I was searching for someone and, and my business partner, Robert Hobbs, was, um, and is just, uh, he is the, the yin to my yang creatively. He's, he, he, he's, his, you know, his producerial brain, the way that he sees the business side of it is not something that I possess because I'm, mm. I'm, I'm deeply creative. I mean, don't give me an Excel spreadsheet. I'll cry. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, that's the backup. It's to continually be telling the stories. Mm. You know, for me, it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's the art. It's, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time. We've been sitting around fire, fires. You know, gazing at stars, telling stories, and that's that's what I want to do. Whether I'm facilitating a story or whether I'm I'm in the story, um, it's just incredibly important that that's what I do. That's the inspiration. That's the passion. And then also, I'm I, I love talent. Mm. I love talent, and I love smart people. So to be able to nurture and cultivate talent and allow a platform for that is is immensely important to me. I don't, you know, fame is not something that's ever interested in me. In fact, it's something that it scares me because there's certain parts of my life that I have to adjust because of but it. I mean, there, there are wonderful things about it. So You've many, handled it so well, though, in the sense that, um, you know, when we look at Hollywood, for example, I remember growing up and I'd be like, J-Lo's love life, for example, was all over the place. Mm. But you get a Denzel and we know nothing. So... I do feel that when an actor or a public figure chooses to keep certain things to themselves, they can. And I think you've done that quite well. Nobody really knows much about you on that level. Yeah, and what I love it's about the work it, that's yes, we focus I want on my the work. work. I want my work to speak the volumes. I want, um, you know, also, and I don't know, and, and maybe this is just the way that I've, I've that I've, I don't know, um, Maybe it's the way that I've convinced myself to do it, but I don't think so. Like, I feel like the more that people know who I am personally, the harder the characters are to accept. Because mm. it's not about me. I'm a blank canvas. There is nothing quite as, um, it's a very intimate process to lose yourself in order to make someone else come alive. And, and the less self there is, to lose for a public, the easier it is to give breath to, mm. to this character. Mm. So, and I, I don't know, I, I quite like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I like Enigma. I think it works beautifully for you. And from what I read from your energies as well, is that your energies are sensitive. If the focus shifted to other things, you might not show up on set the same as what you did before. So it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that and that's your observation. And I, I don't think that you're wrong. Mm. Um, you know, with Lioness season two, it was a very, very, very difficult shooting process for me because I had a lot going on in my personal life. Mm. And I was very scared of how it was going to show up on screen. Um, I'm happy to say that when I watch the work, I'm not disappointed. Mm. Um, it's, it's, but it's certainly, it's, it's, it was like a spanner that tightened a bit here and loosened a bit here. And, um, you, I, I, I am, I am sensitive. And I think, and I think people also think that I'm, I'm very hard and very tough. And, you know, I'm, I'm. Who an, thinks uh, you're hard and tough? Well, you see, because, you know, of the characters, the women mm. that I play. And look, and I am, I'm a very strong woman. I, mm. I'm not, I'm, I have strong opinions. I, um, I, you know, I, 
some very strong opinions that that aren't possibly very palatable. But I I I like who I am, and it's taken me so long to like who I am. Mm. So, uh, but I, I think as actors, we use everything. You have to. It, everything is a tool. Every every influence. Every it's everything's a tool, and you just got to use it. You know, when, when, and I say, I watch young actors, you, something will happen and they'll get freaked out and they're like, mm. I can't work. And I'm like, use it. Use it. Let this work mm. for you. Don't push it away. Let it in. Do you ever have moments where, um, like what you say, you were battling certain things while you were shooting season two, right? Yeah. So there's the part of you feeling like, oh, I was so in there. And then the part of you watching yourself saying, mm, I'm not happy with that performance. Do you ever have moments, and I don't know how you deal with it, but I have had moments where the way I felt on the day sticks with me. Even if everybody's like, that was such a great performance. I'm like, I don't know why I can't stand by it because I felt terrible on the day. So mm. in my brain, I think it could have been better had I felt differently. Do you sometimes have those moments where you hold on to what the moment was for you? You know what's so interesting is that um, I think I was so deeply traumatized in those moments that I actually don't even have memory of shooting the day. What? Yeah. So to have re watched certain scenes where I knew I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. But what was amazing is that um, uh, my makeup artist and very dear friend, Amy Sprawson, I call her my binky mm. because I could literally just go and fall apart with her and yeah. she'd be, give me the space to just let go of what it is that I needed to let go of. And then it was like something just completely turned off. I, I don't remember. Then after we wrapped on Lioness, I have two months that I have no, I have no memory. Was what you are going through at the time something you've already overcome and oh absolutely able and, and to talk about yet oh yeah i mean a hundred percent i just uh I, I, you know therapy is a wonderful thing and and i think as look i think in general human beings should be in therapy when things are going when things are when things are hard it's a wonderful mm. way to reframe um uh Unfortunately, I had to discontinue. You know, you can't go to therapy while you're shooting. You know, you're the first in and you're the last out. Mm. It's just not possible. Especially as a lead. It's just, it's yeah. not possible. It's just not conceivable because you are literally working six days a week, 12 hour days. Mm. And I, I had four days off in the 58 days we had shooting. Mm. So, um, I, and then I, I, I had kind of like gone into a, a denial aspect of, being very fun of like I was like no everything's fine I've mm. got this I've had enough therapy throughout my life to manage this but I wasn't managing um and you know have I overcome it yes I think there's so much of me that has overcome it but I think you know the biggest takeaway is what we do is very very challenging mm. and it's also very very challenging when you're in a relationship with someone and you need someone incredibly open-minded with a very big heart and an open heart and someone Patient. who really patient and understanding and you need someone who really wants the best best for you what's gonna mm. what's the thing that sets you on fire you want people around you who are going to continually mm. try and and you know fan fan those embers and i had someone who was continually just throwing sand on my fire mm. and um it was it was it, there was a lot of animosity and it was incredibly <laughs> challenging and um I think it's yeah you you need you need supportive you need supportive people around you because what you're also doing is you know 
I'm not I'm not a method actor. I don't stay in character, but something definitely changes mm. during that period. I mean, even when I was shooting on Do Your Worst, I became a complete ditz because Sandra was always stoned. Mm. So, I mean, I was driving into orange beacons. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I had like parts of my brain just like mm. switched off and other parts turned on. And, um, no, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm grateful. I'm grateful it was as hard as it was because mm. I wouldn't be where I am now. So again, we're talking about the upside of failure. It was, it was, it was a, for all intents and purposes, it was a failure, but it's also a great success because I come out the other side and I'm better. And I think the way, the way you explain it and which is the most difficult part, um, of our job, um, I, I had a very ho- hard morning yesterday. My, my kid got hurt, but he was hurt the day before. And then we found, found out the next day that it was actually serious. So I was like sobbing, driving to radio. Oh, no. But now the point, here's the point I'm trying to make is what <clears throat> people don't realize the, the taxing part of the work that we do, that our showing up requires all parts of us versus if I was working in a call center, even then they need to smile and be happy. Yeah, but, but there's wrote. jobs there's it's jobs wrote. you can you can hide behind, yeah. right? And um my aunt called me after she's like, You sounded fine on air. I said, Do you know the psyching up I had to called do sublimation and right. it's a real skill. <laughs> Are so, you okay? Is he okay? Oh yes, yes, yes. He's fine. He's good. It was just the mommy moment of like you know, after a crisis happens and the adrenaline now goes out your system, oh, and yeah, you're like, and you just, you now you fall just, apart. That's, exactly. That's and what was happening. I'm sorry. But now I, I want to know. I have such a tremendous respect for mother. Oh. My God. I don't know how you guys do it. How do you psych yourself up? Because if you're going through a traumatic experience, you need to show up on set mm. and you're not just showing up. As your character, you're showing up as Shannon, the actor, the professional who also has to greet everybody on set. You're showing up two ways. What do you do for yourself? I play specific playlists on, in the car and I psych, I psych myself up. And before when I'm with the team, I literally physically smile before the clock goes yeah. and get ready. So what is your thing to psych you up, to show up? You know, it also, it depends on the day. It depends on the demand of the day. Mm. If I've got a heavy emotional day, if I'm going through the most, I'm going to use it. And I'm and see, I'm a I'm a a, a melophile. I love music, and I just load on the sad music. <laughs> I just load it up. I just weigh it all down until I'm ready to go. And when it's when it's action, then I can release. It's kind of like a dam bursting, right? Yeah. Um, although that's not really what we want to do as yes. actors. We're not like, oh, look, I'm showing my emotion. The whole point is that human beings, when we're sad, you did it on it. We cover it up. We stifle it down. We push it down. You know, when people are like, how do you cry? We postpone You're it. like, no, no, no. It's how do you not cry? Yes. It's you don't want to cry. Nobody outwardly <laughs> cries proudly in public. We're trying to make it stop. So, but if I need to like psych myself up, uh, to be honest, I'm very much in my body. Mm. So I start jumping around. I jump, I'll run, I'll, I start getting movement. I like a certain freneticism. And then it's like, yeah, yeah. does that make sense? That make no, sense. Com- Did completely. I even finish the sentence? <laughs> it, it completely it was like, makes uh, sense. Uh, uh, because uh, uh, it, uh, <laughs> it is an all-encompassing thing. Completely. All-encompassing. And hence, one thing I appreciate, appreciate about the theater experience, and we'll talk about that when we come back from the news, is the breathing exercise. Oh, yeah. All of the but breathing exercises. Everything's exercise. in breath. It carries everything. us through everything. Everything's Without in breath, breath. We are not even pre- We're not here. We the, die. The upside of failure with Shannon Ezra. We continue and we come back from the news. It's just after 2.30. 
702. The upside of failure. Proof that a setback can lead to a step forward. 22 minutes to 3 o'clock. It's the upside of failure. We're with phenomenal actress Shannon Ezra that you all know as Sandra Stain. But uh, you have such a vast uh, um, wealth of life experience beyond the characters that you play. 011-883-0702, the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Before I jump to the questions that are coming through, how has breathing helped you? Um, how? <laughs> you know, a baby cannot cry without breath. Mm. Um, and if you think about what happens to your body when you're panicked, it's shallow breathing that follows. And what it is, is we've got to take a deep breath to root ourselves back to reality. I mean, there's also breathing exercises that if you feel that you're, you know, if you start having panic attack, it's, it's too, it, 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 it reactivates part of the nervous system. You, you have to, it's, breath is life. Really is. It, it's 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 everything. It's to just find that moment. We often don't breathe properly. Literally the case. Um, but people who are breathing properly and showing you some love, Tembega says, the lioness goddess in the <laughs> studio. Shannon, you nailed the role. I loved seeing great acting on South African screens. Another one says, yes, I absolutely love her. Where can I watch Lioness season two is what they're asking. It's st- so Lioness. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, Lioness season two is on catch up on Mnet. We're waiting for it to come onto Showmax. I'm still not sure when that's going yes. to happen. Yes. All right. And then Penny from Midran says, Shannon Ezra, AKA Stainer or Stain. What a <laughs> talent. Um, uh, this is from Tutu in four ways. You have my only Caucasian crush. Honey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I love you saying my only Caucasian crush. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then on uh, Twitter or X rather, Oliver King says, you have one of my favorite actresses in studio. I started following Shannon Ezra when she was still on Isidingo. And the first time I saw her there, I thought she was an American actress. Loved her on The Queen as well. She made a very convincing lawyer. Dumza says, I had to Google Shannon Ezra only to discover it's this gorgeous gorgeous actress I love so much such a versatile lady of her craft this lady truly has range speaking of range what genre have you not done that you'd like to do uh I mean, look, I've never done horror. I don't think I'd leap at it. You would kill horror. You would be so good at it. Just, you know, again, it always comes down to the script and who's directing. Always. Because, you know, a great story can be in the wrong hands and and then it, you know, it it loses its uh, luster. Um, I'd like to also do more comedy. I'd love to do more comedy. You know, the thing is, for me, I'm not, and like, I've never really done sci-fi. Um, but it, again, it does. The genre is unimportant to me. It's the story. Do I resonate with the character? Mm. Is it someone that is it a is it a character that makes me want to? Um, you know, it, it's the sensation I get where I I am so terrified and so exhilarated at the same time. It's like in equal measure. The minute that I feel that, that's when I want. That's mm. when I have to do it. Otherwise, it's a bit like. Oh. The genre doesn't matter to me. I got you. I got you. I just love. I just love what I do. Talk to me about what got you wanting to go to LA, um, and what happened there that was so tough. And I mean, 
everybody, every South African actress uh, who heads out to LA has such a different story and people will always assume though it was the same thing that happened. So what, what happened in, in your case? Um, so, you know, I think as a small child and as a teenager, I had built up this ideal of what Hollywood was and it seemed to be like that was the way to really, you were only successful if you were a Hollywood actress. Mm. So that was a, a faulty belief that I had, I had, I had developed and that I spent a lot of time in. Um, what happened for me, you know, when I got there, Wait, what was the reason you, you decided? So it was something I had to, that you I had, had to, to go. Okay. I had to. I, it was this. Shannon, are you going to regret doing it or are you going to regret not doing it? And I knew that if I didn't do it, that I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Again, I'm very dramatic. So, um, <laughs> I love it for you. Yeah. So I went and I was actually, I was headhunted by a manager. She had mm. seen me on a show called Life is Wild and she reached out to one of the actresses that she had, rep she was representing at the time, Stephanie Nisnik, who's unfortunately passed in the last couple of years. Um, and Stephanie, she assisted me. So I went at the end of 2008, I went to meet with Anne Woodward. I went to take certain meetings. And then in the 2009, I moved there. Uh, I hadn't sorted out any of my paperwork, not really. So paperwork was a thing. Mm. Paperwork was a thing. And um, also I... For you to be able to work. So I had an O-1 visa. Yes. But this, this O-1 visa, unfortunately, it's not an umbrella visa. So there were certain companies and certain studios that they don't really accept that visa there's mm. it needs to be more extensive and i was always and you have to have an o1 for three years and this particular visa it allows you to be applicable for a green card or what's called the eb1 mm. so once i could go for the eb1 we did but i was i was i was wrapped up in in so much red tape um, and so I would go for cast, I would go for uh, meetings with casting directors. I would go to the studios and take these big meetings with ABC and I would, uh, go for these big auditions where it's like, it's like, okay, well, they're gonna, they're gonna go with Jessica Elba. And I'm like, okay, all right, she's a star. But what had happened in the 2009 when I'd got there, they were in the midst of the massive, actor strike mm, sag after yeah. it was sag and it was after they were separate and there was also there was there was a lot of writer strikes and and movie. unlike here it's not like when the generations actors said we're going on life goes no on. it literally stops there, it ends they pick stops. it and that's the yes, end it's, everything stops. so i had come in and I always joked with my manager. She's like, I don't know why this isn't working for you and i'd be like you know i was ready for hollywood but hollywood wasn't ready for me mm. um but it actually it worked out exactly the way that needed to. But what was happening was movie actors had started to do television. And when mm. you're, firstly, I'm a foreigner. My paperwork's not entirely in order. I, I, if, in some ways, I'm hireable. In other ways, I'm not. And I also think, you know, my, aunt, my manager often, she would say, people are just confused by you. They, don't, they don't know what to do with you. Because a lot of the, the, the feedback was she's a spark plug. What does that mean? She's a firecracker. She's mm. she's got fire. She's got but I look how I look and and I'm funny and I'm smart and mm. so they were like, We don't know where to put her. Let us know when she when she books something so we can fit her into what Isn't it sad that that's how it works though? Because the boxing thing, I get why people do it so it's easy when certain processes happen to know who you'll go to. And like you say, there was a time where Hollywood um, stars, film stars were not in series and then it became a thing mm. that now they're all in series but it was easy to say that's your rom-com girl 
that's your yeah. action guy. Exactly. Liam Neeson there is, is the action guy. Typecasting is a real, right. real thing. And so um, it, you know, when I realized that I needed to, to sell myself as a commodity, it became very soul-destroying for me because mm. for me, the work is so important. I I don't like going and walking red carpets. I hate getting dressed up. I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of gal. Like, yeah, I'll, I clean up kind of nice, but... I, I, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable there. It, that mm. feels very showy and it, you know, it, I, I get nervous. I, I don't like, I actually don't like being in the spotlight. I want to be on set. I want to be on stage. I want to do the work. Mm. So I, I didn't, I, I shied away from a lot of things and, um, like publicity events and whatever, but also I was literally living my life in servitude. I was working three jobs and I was working, I was a waitress in mm. three different cafes. I was dog walking. I was house sitting. I was, I mean, I was doing so much six days a week and then I'd have to try and fit in these, these auditions and meetings. And it, I mean, it was an enormously stressful time. And, and I, again, I was also, I was in a very unhealthy, um, imbalanced relationship and, um, and it just, it's like when I had this, this Ayurvedic psychic reading and this woman said, you basically took poison from the moment you landed and you've just been slowly poisoned for wow. six years. And I was like, what do I do? I can't live like this anymore. And, um, and she was like, you know, I do see you going back. And I'll tell you that, that the, 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 the fight I had with my own ego and my own pride to come back. I mean, I had literally had conversations with both my parents and they can attest to it. Where I was like, the only way I'm coming back is in a body, body bag. bag. I knew you were going to say that. And my, my mother's like, come on, doll. And my father's like, no, no, Diane, come on. She's being in serious. And I was, I was I serious. That. I was Deeply, deeply. But I can just, I say something? It felt like the biggest failure. The reason I love that you were on that level is because that is the true. I always say to people when they're like, why are you still trying if you see this thing's not working? Because if I'm going to walk away, I want to walk away knowing I did everything. everything. Yeah. So for me, the body bag really represents you depleted Every single option and resource available to you. So you can come back comfortably knowing there's not a, but what if? You know, when the shift happened, it was quite extraordinary because I'd, I'd become involved with the Santa Monica Repertory Company mm. and I was starting to do a lot of theater and we'd just come off a run of doing, uh, Paula Vogel's, uh, So You Think You Can Drive. And, um, oh, sorry, How I Learned to Drive. Yes. And, uh, and then we were doing other plays and I'd, I'd left the Kabbalah Center where I was a copywriter and I'd gotten into sales and I became a produce specialist and I started to become a lot of many, many things and I'd only ever defined myself as an actor. Um, so I learned that I was a little bit more than what I'd kind of, I had boxed my own self in, right? But I remember a friend of mine said to me, just before I was leaving this position as a ghostwriter and copywriter at the center, she said, why don't you just like write your own stuff? Like you're a good writer. Like, why don't you just start writing your own stuff and just do it here? And I said, I don't belong here. Mm. And I remember as it came, it's like the words, they fell out of my mouth. And I remember I caught myself and she looked at me and she went, Shan, did you hear what you just said? And I went, oh my, Holly, like, what did I just say? And she's like, do you think that you're starting to shift? And I was like, I clearly am because I haven't allowed myself to even consider. But in that moment, I was like, if I'm going to do anything, I want to go home. I want to go home to do it. 
And I think... And it still know, took me another 18 months, by the way. So I basically had to take... I had to bury my, my ego in the desert. This huge excavation and leave it there. When we come back, we're going to wrap up. I see more of your questions and com- comments coming through for The Upside of Failure. 702. The Upside of Failure. Proof that a setback can lead to a step forward. Seven minutes to three o'clock. It's the upside of failure with uh, Shannon Ezra. We'll take your calls on 011-880-702 in the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Um, some people are reminiscing about um, Isidingo. I'm wondering, does your heart ever get sore where these places you were at, the shows, um, announce that they're shutting down? Do you feel some kind of way about it? Yes, of course, because it's a, you know, I mean, Isidingo especially, that was a, I mean, it was an institution. I mean, that Mm. was a, I mean, that week I grew up watching it. Right. But you know what the thing is, is that everything must come to an end. Mm. Nothing, nothing lasts forever. Nothing's Mm. permanent. (laughs) Nothing belongs to us. Everything's on loan, you know, but yeah, of course, it's, uh, it's hard to let things go. But, you know. What has been your really favorite part you know we were chatting earlier about failures Mm. um what has been rather the hardest part about success because there's the fear of failing and then there's the fear of oh what if this actually works out (laughs) um i think i think the fear of success is that um it won't measure up to your expectation so I think expectation is a very dangerous thing. I think perfectionism is a very dangerous thing. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know, that's such a good question. I mean, I don't think that I, I guess I just always want to show up in the most authentic way. I, I wouldn't want to, I would never want to become um, a watered down version of myself. Mm. I feel like that would, that would be a real sellout to success. But again, it's how do we measure success? Because for me, if I measure success, it's by the amount of peace I have. Mm. You know, and I think peace comes from inspiration. I think um, I don't, look, we all need to be financially secure, but I'm not someone who's particular, I'm not driven by money. I'm driven, I'm driven by working, by, Mm. by, you know, I I mean, and I think that's, that's why as actors, we always return back to the theater. Mm, Right. You know, because there is, there is, Theatre is the actor's medium. That's where, that's it's where you home. get. That's where you get to expose every inch of your own humanity in the presence of an audience, and it is it is a beautiful, intimate connection. Um, terrifying, actually terrifying. I mean, I'm I'm currently rehearsing a, a one woman show, and um, it, uh, it 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 also it makes me want to to vomit all the time. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. It's just and no day's the same. Well, that, but that's the beauty. But right. also, no, no, you see, but the way that I, no take is the same yes. either. So I think the most dangerous thing as an actor to do is to try and recreate what you just did. Mm. You can't. It's even this gone. moment now, it's gone. Mm. Like I said, can't nothing's permanent. You gotta, like, everything is different. And it was interesting because two weeks ago I was rehearsing with Janet. And um, so the, my director is my, is my, was my high school drama teacher. What? What are the chances? And it's, you know, it's been quite wonderful because it feels like I'm coming home to something. <laughs> it's like this beautiful, this beautiful circle. Um, and she said to me the other day, we, we were doing a rehearsal and she said, 
she said, you just bring something different every time. She's like, I, I always wonder what's going on in your day that makes you say the line that way. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. But whatever has happened, it is certainly informing the way that I'm, the way that I'm interpreting things or the way that I'm feeling things. But um, it's, I don't know, what, what scares me about success? I guess, you know what? I don't want, I don't want, I don't want obstructions. Mm. Sometimes I feel like you get, I guess jealousy might scare me or, mm. or like envious spoilers or evil eye or um, someone will want to take it from you mm. or, um, but you know, for me, I, I don't know. I believe every, there's enough for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. The, I, pie, the pie and the cake. Failure scares me way more. <laughs> Because that's where the body bag pulls in. <laughs> you know? what, what would you like to leave the listeners with that you have learned about failure? It's so necessary. Mm. And you know what? While things don't work out the way that we initially want them to, they work out exactly the way that we need them to. And when we are our most uncomfortable, that is when we grow, when we are in the dark and that... That's that's where it happens. That's that's where the magic happens. It's when you feel like all hope is lost and there's just not an ounce of anything in sight and you're so uncomfortable. That's that's the moment. That's the moment to hold on. Shannon Ezra, this was perfect timing and even better than I imagined. Thank you for your vulnerability <laughs> and for coming through. Thank you. So appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm not you crying. So you 